I'm Matthew Woods, host of Leading Out of the Woods, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on this beautiful Saturday morning, or it may be evening, or it may be Sunday, depending on where you are in the world. I appreciate you guys making us part of your day. Thank you so much, as always, for all of your support. Thank you for all the listens. Thank you for all the feedback. We really appreciate it because, as you know, we're always working hard to just bring you the best and just give you the best of us. So today, like no, like every other Saturday, we've got a great show with some amazing guests that I am really excited to have on the show today and just have just a wonderful, amazing conversation with them. Today, we have the hosts of the Punk Rock Classrooms podcast. We've got Josh Buckley and Mike Earnshaw that are joining us today. Gentlemen, how are you this morning? Stoked to be here yeah. this morning, Fonz. Stoked. Stoked to be here. A little Stoked. early. It's a little early in Arizona, but I'm, I got my coffee. I got my coffee. I'm ready to go. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you guys. And like you said, you know, making it happen in different time zones all at the same time. And trust me, I know it's that weird. Like you said, you're on that West Coast time. I remember, right? you know, living on that West Coast time for a year. But thank you, gentlemen, for being here. And so today we're definitely just going to have a great chat today. Just we're going to be talking about the passion unity and the diy classroom which is pretty much what you embody what you share in your podcast so we're going to get started from the very beginning and you know some introductions and i really want to know your story where you're coming from you know as far as falling into education falling in love with it and what you're doing and just your experiences i always love our audience members including myself just to be able to see things from different perspectives and people that may have not gone maybe a traditional route into education and and being now in the education world and how that's been. So we'll go ahead and get started with Josh. Josh, if you don't mind just giving our audience just a little brief introduction, your context in education, and if you can add one interesting thing about yourself that people may not know. Sure. Uh, so uh, my name is Josh Buckley. I am currently a Title I specialist at an elementary school in Mesa, Arizona, uh, but I spent the last 15 years as a social studies teacher, uh, one year in junior high, 14 years in high school teaching economics, uh, government, U.S. history, psychology, AP economics, uh, all sorts of stuff in that realm. Um, and, you know, uh, I found myself you know, deciding, we talked about this before the show, like getting one master's degree wasn't enough. I, I set out to get a second master's degree, this one in administration, and found myself kind of falling in love with with uh, the elementary set and um, found my, I did an internship at an elementary school, really loved it. And the principal's like, hey, my title one position is going to open. You want to you want to put in for that? You want you want would you like that job? And I was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. So uh, I ran Title One summer school by myself, uh, you know, kind of jumped in feet first, baptism by fire. And uh, I think I've opened far more milk cartons than I ever have in my entire life uh, in the last four weeks. I think we're four weeks into the school year. Uh, so I've opened uh, way more milk cartons than I ever thought I would. Uh, but it's been awesome. It's been great. Um, 
a, a fact about myself that people might not know. I can't talk about guitars because those are behind me. Um, I guess uh, I'm, a, I'm a giant comic book nerd, right? So I love comic books. Uh, I've read comic books since I was in, I don't know, what, like sixth grade or something like that. Ten, ten years, fifth, sixth grade. Uh, and I've loved them for a really long time. Uh, it's, it's something that I'm that I brought into the classroom with me. We used to read different historical takes on stuff through comic books. And so that's my that's my little thing that maybe not everybody knows. Excellent. Well, thank you, Josh. I appreciate yeah. that introduction. And just again, thank you for sharing your the passion for opening milk cartons. You know, <laughs> but that's great. But you know what? It's all part of that experience. Yeah, you know, that's amazing. That's the thing about education. There's things that you think you're never gonna do, and you end up doing it, and you're like, Yeah, man, that is so cool. Yeah. Just even opening up milk crates, you have <laughs> stories to tell, you know. Right. So that's amazing. I'd like to welcome our great friend AJ Bianco, who's joining us this morning. He says, Good morning, gentlemen. Looking forward to the conversation. AJ Bianco is an amazing administrator. He just turned into, uh, well, he went into administration. He is an administrator slash still teacher at heart. Wonderful guy. So thank you so much. And he says, uh, thank, uh, congrats, Josh, on the new role. Big moves. Thank you, AJ, for joining us. Mike, let us know a little bit about yourself, your context in education. And again, if you can include one interesting fact about yourself that people may not know. Okay. Um, yeah, so I'm Mike Earnshaw. Uh, I started off as a middle school ELA teacher um, <clears throat> for about 12 years. And then, you know, I, I wanted to pursue, uh, you know, another degree, get a master's. And my, my current administration I was teaching was kind of like, oh, you'd be, you'd be great in school administration. I was like, no way. I do not want to go that route. And uh, we were at a, I was chaperoning a basketball game. And I, I was about to get married and they're like, no, seriously, like go the administration route. It's going to open more, more doors. So came back from my honeymoon, went back to school and started going to school for school administration and, and fell in love with it. You know, that whole cliche saying is like, oh, you can reach more, more people, you know, more kids being in that role. So um, I, I became an assistant principal in the district I'm currently in at the middle school. So I was the assistant principal for two years there. Um, they had an interesting concept. There was there was a principal, each grade level, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade had their own assistant principal, and then there was a dean. So essentially, I looked at it as like the principal was like the superintendent, and I was the principal of the seventh grade team, which gave me a lot of good experience to, to run my own building. So after two years of that, um, there were some retirements and whatnot. So a principalship opened up at one of our elementary buildings. Like Josh, I never pictured myself to be an elementary school educator, um, but I'm like, I wanted to get that, you know, become a principal, have, have my own building. So I went for it, got it, and in my eighth year there now, and I have fallen in love with elementary school. Like it's, it's, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of milk cartons and juice and I'm spilling those, those juice cups that have too much oh, man. liquid in them. Those, it's on my shoes right every there. day, but let's get you. But, yeah. But it's, it's juice grenades. It's juice grenades. Yeah. Um, and an interesting fact about me, I cannot whistle. I cannot stamp my fingers. And when I count on both and on either hand, I can't lift my ring finger. So I have to go, then I can do it. If I go like this. I can't lift the ring finger. Wow. There you go. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Hey, I'm a freak. There, there you go. Hey, no, no, not at all. Not at all. You're just an awesome, passionate administrator that is unique 
in his own special way. And I don't know, maybe you think that might be just a, a little uh, juice grenade injury there. Maybe. Oh, man. We've got Tim joining us. Good morning, Tim, from New Jersey. And we've got uh, M. Murphy, 1964, says, the hey, punks who are to kids. <laughs> there you go. So that's amazing, gentlemen. And so thank you so much for the introductions. Thank you so much yeah. to everybody that's watching and listening to us. I really appreciate you guys. And again, let's go ahead and just get started, guys. Let's talk yeah. about you know, you've talked a little bit about your current roles that you're serving and, you know, a little bit about your background. But what I always love to do is I always like to this first segment of the show, I always like to dig in deep, like, you know, in the past, you know, what led you to this course or, you know, to get into education. So we'll start with Mike. Mike, as you were growing up and thinking about professions or what it is that you wanted to do, you know, is education really the path that you wanted to take? And if so, or if not, what was it that sparked that passion or that interest for education? So, Mike, we'll get started with you. Yeah, no, I, growing up in high school, uh, high school I never wanted to be a teacher. Um, I was always a good student. And then in high school, I, you know, got mixed in with some different crowds. And I could have gone a completely different path, as, as some of the people I grew up with did. But... You know, there were there were always a couple teachers who saw I had the mohawk and the skateboard and the size sixty, you know, um, kick kickwear jeans, Jenko jeans. Like they saw past all that, and they they saw something in me, and they they would really try to push me um, and encourage me to do something more. So I, you know, by my junior year, I kind of got back on track and, and was focusing on my education and kind of disconnecting myself from some of those bad habits. So we don't want to see our kids the path the kids go down. Um, and I was working in a restaurant and I loved cooking in a restaurant. Like there was something about it. And that's what I thought I was going to do. Like, oh, I'm going to go to culinary school. Um, but then, you know, I graduated high school. I wanted to take a year off. And my mom said, no, if you take a year off, you will never go back. I know you. You're going to get stuck in your ways, working in like this, you know, restaurant bar. And that's all you're going to ever do. So I started going to school and uh, I had no idea what I was going to do. Like I just was taking the classes, you know, to, to appease people. And then I, I remember I was sitting there in the courtyard on campus one day. And I was like, started all, I just started getting these flashbacks, like these teachers that had connected with me throughout high school. And I was like, man, like if it wasn't for them, like I wouldn't be here now. And I know my mom pushed me too, but if it wasn't for them, like who knows where I would have gone. And uh, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to be a teacher for uh get into education to help those kids who aren't seen or who maybe are, you know, not in the in crowd and, you know, try to help guide them to where they need to go. And so that's kind of why I got into education. That's kind of like my why of why I do this to let those kids know that we all can become something. So, man, that is great. So, I mean, that, that's really, that really, again, speaks volumes too, because there's so many students that go down different paths and, right. it, and it's also just, who you're hanging out with and you never really think about consequences when you're young, you're living right. this life. But I love the fact that you mentioned that there were, there were some teachers, there was somebody there that saw past everything, the right. outer saw past that behavior, saw past all of those things and said, Hey, there, there's something there. And the fact that you were able to get back on track and now making a difference. And now, you know, taking those experiences that you've 
you've gone through and applying them into your current job role, right. which is so important because I'm sure you see that continually still to oh, this yeah. day, you know, and it's something that it's great to have somebody like you in that leadership role, that principal role that can see past those things, those maybe little behavior issues that, you know, somebody say, oh, well, you know, those are behavior or, uh, you know, social, emotional, and you're seeing past that and you're there and you're able right. to give that encouraging word. So that's yes. wonderful, man. I, I love you. that you're able to do that. Uh, Josh, how about yourself, Josh? Tell us a little bit about how you, um, you know, landed in the education world. Yeah, for me, I th it was the same way as Mike. I, I didn't really plan on being an educator. Um, I was always a good good student in school. Um, I fell into like the straight edge crowd in school and like not, I went, I went to, I grew up in the country, but like went to punk rock shows in the city and fell in with like the crew of kids there. Like a lot of straight edge Christian hardcore and, and punk kids. And so I never was going down a, a bad path, but I definitely didn't think I was going to go on a path to be an educator. In fact, I wanted to go to art school or do something with music. My two favorite classes, I was in band from like fourth grade to 12th grade in school uh and then i loved art i took art all four years i even like can we even a couple of us we couldn't take art one year because it conflicted with another class we had to take so we convinced our uh teacher to let us do a independent study as sophomores so just think of this right now you're an art teacher and you're gonna let four sophomore boys have your room during your prep hour and you're not gonna be in there and so like we convinced her to let us do an independent study to do art on our own. We did art too that year on our own, but that was what I want to do. I want to go to art school. I want to do graphic design. I wanted to do, um, you know, animation or something like that. Uh, and then when, when push came to shove, I actually went to Chicago and checked out the art Institute. I did like a week on that campus and at the Schomburg campus uh, before my senior year, I was like, okay, this is it. This is what I want to do. And then my parents were like, we don't think that you should leave the state to go to school because I grew up in Michigan. They're like, I don't think you should leave the state to go to school. And, you know, we really, you know, we want to help you, but we're not going to help with college. If you, if you leave the state. And I was like, well, then there's no reason for me to go to art school. Like, <laughs> you know, like flip the table and be like, dang it. That's it. I'm out. Um, yeah. Because there were like two, two year degree programs. So right. what's the point? Like I'm going to stay here for a year. Uh, so I, I decided, you know what? I, I really loved, um, I was like, okay, I grew up in Michigan. I grew up in, you know, a town where like your parents worked at Dow or General Motors, right? Or, so, and then the professionals that I saw were nurses and teachers. And so I was like, well, I definitely don't want to be a nurse because I don't want to see needles or blood. So I'm out of that. So I decided I was going to be a teacher. I love social studies in uh, high school. Government uh, was really one of my favorite things. So I said, okay, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a social studies teacher. So that's how I got into education. That first year of college, I was all right, all right, let's check this out. Let's do this. Join the program. Uh, and every time I stepped foot into a classroom during those those uh, years being in college, um, you do all your practicum hours and stuff like that. I was like, okay, this is it. I did it. This is what I want to do. Uh, and, and, and fell in love with it. It was a place where I could bring my, like during student teaching, I would bring my guitar in. We'd write songs about stuff. We'd I could do art projects with my social studies kids and cement that into what we were talking about. I could bring music into it and talk about that and art history with kids. And so that let me bring those passions into what I do. And that's how I found myself into, into education. And so that's, that was it. <laughs> Man, that's great. You know, and I love hearing that because again, it, it actually, your story, Josh, but kind of reminds me a little bit about myself when I first started, um, I would bring my guitar into class and I'm teaching math 
Mm-hmm. And so, you know, sometimes it's it was just what I knew. I mean, uh, m- music yeah. is what I loved. I mean, playing in playing in bands for well a couple of years, you know, being playing saxophone, playing guitar, playing bass. So I was like, hey, I, I would go ahead and just bring in a guitar, just have some fun with the kids, engage them, and it's still part of the lesson. I mean, it's yeah, just right. a little bit teaching a little bit different. It doesn't look like the traditional, you know, practical yeah. way of doing it, but kids are learning they're they're remembering and more than anything i think w- with what you both bring is you are able to create those learning experiences so josh in the classroom those learning experiences cementing like what you love like you said your passion for art bringing that in tying it into your history class mike also your experiences with music your experiences with your you know your youth and everything and bringing that into your roles man it's just amazing that extra i think layer that life, that experience that you're bringing really makes a huge, huge difference. And I think that that's wonderful. And uh, I wanted to touch just a little bit on what Josh said. You know, you you were going through the program. You had the ability to go into classrooms and do some yeah. student teaching. Um, you know, right now uh, the, here, at least in our area, we're seeing the the a slight decline into the school of education. Yeah. And, you know, oftentimes it's what else can we do? They're trying to think of what else can we do to, you know, engage the obviously the the students and then coming in out of college, how are they going to be able to engage our learners now? So I think, uh, you know, things are changing. And but I think that, you know, being able to do what you said, take the passion that they I mean, yeah. they want to be educators, but what else are they passionate about and how they can bring it in? to the classroom and tie it into their lessons. I think that's wonderful. Yeah. We, we talked about that on, on one of our episodes, the idea of like bringing your passion into what you do. Right. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Mike, Mike loves skateboarding and he brings that in. He rides a skateboard around campus as a principal, right? Like I love music. I love art. I bring that into what I do. And as educators, if you can find that thing that you love, that passion that you have, it might be gardening. We have a gardening club on campus. That's great. The kids love going out there, going and doing that. And that's two teachers who are like, yeah, I love science. I love doing this. Let's make it happen. We have a teacher who loves Dungeons and Dragons. So he has a 3D printer and he's done entire lessons with his kids using Dungeons and Dragons and engaging them in that, like making the little figurines and building stuff with them whatever your passion is, yeah. what, I mean, for us, it's punk rock, right? So we call the episode, like, what's your punk, right? So what's the yeah. thing that we love? We love punk rock. What's the thing that you love that you can bring in? Because if you can come into that classroom with that excitement, with that energy, then the kids around you, and they're going to feed off that and they're going to get excited. And if you help them find their passion, if you help them plug into that thing you love, for me, it was art and music as a kid. Whenever I could plug into that into a classroom, I was like, heck yeah, let's do this. Right. So if we can do that for kids and create those experiences, that's going to, that makes me love my job way more as an educator, right? A canned program, opening up the book and having to read the lesson isn't, wasn't going to make me love my job being able to bring in my guitar and have us write songs about the Salem witch trials or whatever thing we could do. I was like, okay, that's exciting. My kids were pumped about it because I was pumped about it. And we got to like do something great that I loved and that they loved. I think, and I'm going to touch on what Josh said. I think, you know, being a principal, obviously we, we have new staff that come in and we have student teachers that come in and a lot of them feel they have to do that stereotypical canned, 
program or I'm the teacher. So, so you can't know about really my outside life except like, okay, yeah, I have two kids and three cats and this and that. And when in my first few years as a, as a principal, like I did the stereotypical principal thing. I thought I had to, and I was miserable and the culture in our building was miserable. And I don't want to say miserable, but I, I saw it decline rapidly. Um, people weren't enjoying being there. And, and that's what school, like Josh said, we got to bring these experiences. So when I started opening up and been like, all right, yeah, I've skateboarded my whole life. Here's my skateboard. And I'm bringing ki the kids, you know, elementary kids just are like blown away by like, oh my God, the principal just went by on a skateboard. But then like, you got these kids who then I would connect with them and like, hey, all right, you you earn this many points on your goal sheet or, or you know, you, you don't get sent out of class for this, you know, for these next five days. I'm going to take you out on the on the part uh, blacktop in the back, and we're I'm going to, we're going to skateboard together and teach. And it was just me connecting it with them and, and reaching out to them. But the staff also saw me as a person. I think that's what it is. We need people to see us as people, as humans, not not as I'm this teacher, I'm this principal with my tie, you know. And that's that's gonna that's what we need in education right now, especially coming out of this pandemic. We just need to connect with each other and know like look we're all human we're all through this together this is what i'm into um so i think if we could get more districts and building leaders because that's where it's going to start to let like you said fonds earlier let their teachers and maybe we, we said this in the pre-recording but let let people try things and do things and fail from it and then get back up and let's do it like don't be afraid to have some fun you know yeah yeah, yeah i mean no. Yeah, I agree with you, especially that fun part. And I think that now, you know, this is what I've seen, at least my observation is now that teachers have come back to their classroom, you know, they, they've, there's that comfort level now, you know, you're back into muscle memory, you, the familiarity of being in the classroom. But I think that because of this gap that there was because of virtual instruction coming back, I think like a, a lot of our teachers are overwhelmed. And yeah. they know that the teacher, that the students may have, you know, may, may have missed a couple of things as far as, you know, not all the, the, the teaks or the standards were taught because, you know, we're, we're limited yeah. to certain things. And of course you can't just flip the switch and tell one teacher, Hey, you're going from, you know, brick and mortar to online and expect them to cover everything. Right. So, you know, there will be a couple of standards, but I think that they're putting so much pressure on their, on themselves yes. Because this is what they're used to. They 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 didn't get the A rating. They didn't get the scores, and it's been a mental thing. But yeah. it's because it's been ingrained in them for yes. the longest time from leadership, and decisions are based on how well you do. And so teachers are like, they're like really overworking, and they forget to make those human connections. I was like, yeah. even for them, yeah. like you said, I, when I was in the classroom, I think what helped me is. I came in from the business background and as this was education was my second career. Now I'm 16 years in, but the, the customer service skills, the, the, you know, personalization, yeah. all of that, that I learned in the business sector really worked out really well. And then bringing in my passion and just me being me being vulnerable and not being afraid to fail. But the kids would be like, Hey, Mr. Medosa, how about we try it this way? And how about we try it this way? And so I was learning from them. Yeah. They were learning a little from me, but by the end of the fourth class, I looked like the subject matter expert because I was learning from them. Right. <laughs> but you build that community and they see that they yeah. buy into you. And right now I think a lot of students have not quite had the opportunity 
to come in, reacclimate themselves and, and socialize with their friends. And then the teachers to themselves are trying, but then they feel that pressure because, hey, we need to meet these standards. We need to do this. And because yeah. at the end of this year, they're still going to take a state exam. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness. Like, you know, it's hard. Yeah, it's well, <laughs> yeah. it's unfortunate. And like I have the past few years, anyone who knows me, like I don't put like, hey, we're going to make sure we ace this test or do this. Like we're going to put relationships first. It's been like that for years before the pandemic and, and everything else is going to fall in place. And then, like you said, we've come back and I've seen some of my staff kind of revert back to that. Okay, well, we need to get them caught up this, this, this. When I met with my team leaders over the summer, you know, we, we have to have all of our teams make their SMART goals. And usually they have to make like five or six. And I said, we just talked about this in our last episode. I said, no, make three, no more than three SMART goals. And it does not need to be tied to ELA or math. Like, what do you as a team want to accomplish this year? Is it... Is it making sure your parents are just as actively involved as they were when we were virtual because they were sitting in your classroom every day? Make that your smart goal. And they were kind of thrown off. They're like, you you don't want us to focus on ELA and math? Like, I do. You're going to teach ELA and math. But what's really important to you right now? Is it making sure your kids just are welcome back? And I've noticed, because I'm in every classroom every day, the kids don't care if you don't know what's going on or you right. have a hiccup in your lesson plan. <laughs> These kids, especially with us, because we just, you know, this is our first time we're all back. They're just happy to be there. Our fifth grade rooms, our numbers are at about 26, 27 right now, which is not, it's, it's, that's normal for a fifth grade class. But because of, you know, we have to have a social distancing mm -hmm. and all that, our teachers are freaking out. One of my fifth grade teachers, he um, took a new role as a art music PE teacher this year. And so he had the fifth grade class and he asked them, he goes, how do you guys feel about having 27 kids in your class? Thinking they're going to be like, oh, no, it's too much. We want less. They were like, we don't care. We're just happy to be with everybody. Like, they, they're like, we actually like having more people in our class because we haven't seen kids for so long. So I think it's the adults that we need to just, hey, just let's let's celebrate being back together and reacclimate how to be back together. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's. Yeah, we, we, we told our staff at the beginning of the year, like, we start on a Tuesday, right? Like, this is the normally we would start on a Wednesday and you'd get three days, you're out the door, and then you can. We, we started on a Tuesday this year and we told everybody, like, don't touch standards this week. Don't do right. it. Don't jump into curriculum this week. You've got four days. Some of our kids haven't been on a campus in a year and a half. Some of you haven't been teaching in a classroom in a year and a half. We came back in person. Some of our students, last year in October, right? So some of us had been back in a classroom with masks and all of that, but some of our teachers stayed remote all of last year because they were servicing our remote only students. And we're like, don't touch curriculum. Don't touch standards. Just build relationships. Get those kids used to being in classrooms, talking right. about what your expectations are for how you're going to work together and build that community in your room first. You have to do that. And that's, I think that's any year as a teacher. Right. I always, I always started my year with something called Buckley Boot Camp, and we do dumb activities, communication games, uh, like team building games to get used to each other and get used to that idea of what it was like, why we needed to be, why we would need to use, um, you know, explicit language when we worked with each other. So we knew what we were talking about, what it was like to work in groups. We used to do all these dumb games. And that's what I did those first three days. I wouldn't touch anything. I wouldn't even look at a syllabus because they're doing like, 
we're going to get to the content, but we're going to get through the content and the standards much better if we know how to work together, right? right. You got to go slow to go fast, right? And that's the truth when you're building that culture and that community in your classroom. And, and I mean, that is, oh, I'm sorry. I wanted to say like, I, it's so important yeah. building that. The, and like you said, Mike, you said from the very get-go relationships. And I think that if you do take the time, like you gentlemen described, to do that and front load that it doesn't matter if it takes you know three days four days or a week that's gonna the return on investment on that in the long yeah. run like you said is gonna be great because yeah. the kids are, are know the expectations they know those things and like josh here josh is joining us uh here from texas he says connection before content yeah. you know and that's so important and believe it or not and we came back last week and we had filled in at least our curriculum calendars the whole first week is off. Like you're not touching anything. Yeah. Well, walking into classrooms and everything, there's already teachers that are already in the third week of, right. you know, they're going through this really fast because I think they feel that if I pour it into them and just give it to them quick, like by the time they take the test, they're going to be fine because they feel that pressure of, I need to get my scores up because if not, I'm either going to be moved to a different grade level or I may be reassigned or do this. And they're coming in with that fear, yeah. but we all know where that needs to be taken care of all right. the way from the top down. So somewhere along those lines, that message may not be getting across, cur cur yeah. you know, directly yeah. or correctly, you know? I think, I mean, and, and not just, well, especially this year coming back from what we, we've gone through and we're still going through, but every year, those first few days, the first couple of weeks, it needs to just be a celebration. Like school should be a celebration. You know, I've got staff coming up to me. When are we going to, when are we going to do our map testing? So we were supposed to do our map testing our first for a week, which was this. And it got pushed back because we don't have the, our new devices weren't all tagged and ready to get passed out. I'm like, I understand they want to know where the kids are at so they can know how to focus what they're going to do. But it's kind of like, just chill out. Like we're just here to, we're just here to get reacclimated. So celebrate being together, celebrate a new school year, celebrate Mondays, you know? Yeah. Like you said, <laughs> I, like, I, I like that. Celebrate I, Mondays. I like I that. do. Yeah. I, I, I'm playing music out in the parking lot on Monday mornings, pumping everybody up the troll soundtrack and you know, uh, the principles in action soundtrack and the parents have told me like, this is the best way to start school. I'm like, well, yeah, let's get it pumped up. Let's get excited. You want to want, everyone should want to be there, you know? Yeah, no, no, you're absolutely right. And I love like, you know, even on your website, as I'm sharing the link, uh, make sure that you follow or visit, um, you know, punkrockclassrooms.com. And then that way you can check out uh, Josh and Mike there on their page, but just, you know, just even your heading, you know, you build your crew. That's essentially you as a teacher. You're building your crew up. You're building your students up. You're you're they're buying into you. Make a scene, you know, and then teach with passion. I mean that, that that's really. I mean I love your your heading right here, and that's yeah. really what I feel that I have been able to do the last eleven years in the classroom, and even now, you know, as as an uh, instructional specialist, you know, being able to work with teachers, you know, you just really want to build them up and build that crew and just. Just I, I always tell them, just get clicky with it. And if it doesn't work, just click undo. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're not going to break anything, you know, but right. just giving them that comfort level where they and celebrate them, too, as well. That's so, so important. All right, man. Well, this is great. This has been a, just an amazing, amazing back and forth and getting to see things from your perspectives. You know, one in the that principal leadership role, Josh, you as a teacher and now moving up to, you know, Title One. And, you know, seeing those things, too, as well from your experiences. And I think a lot that you've hit on really, you know, hits close to home because this is what I'm seeing 
firsthand. And, you know, I, I, my heart goes out to the teachers that are, you know, still have not recovered from that burnout, still haven't recovered, but they're in there, they're in the trenches and they mean well, you know, with all this testing and they want to do that to the students. But in the end, I think it it will, you know, cause a little bit more burnout because they're just, it's that anxiety, that stress level and so on. And we definitely, I don't want any more teachers to be leaving our profession because we we need wonderful educators. So what are some things that maybe Josh, I know you talked over a couple of things, but um, maybe in your role, maybe within your teaching role or even now, what are some ways that you are, you know, trying to, you know, put the teachers at ease? Is there, you know, something that your school is doing just to kind of, you know, bring them back and reel them back and say, hey, all right, we're going to be good. Yeah, I, we have a really good culture on our campus. My principal's been there. This is her 10th year. Um, she's built a really family tight knit group of teachers. And uh, it's been really good to come into that and see how she builds those relationships with everybody. And um, before um, the last four years, I served as president of our teachers union in Mesa. And then two years before that as vice president. So it was a lot of work around how do we support teachers through low pay? We went on a statewide walkout in Arizona. We um, worked with our district to increase salaries. And I'm serving on a retention and recruitment task force starting in September with our district. And it comes down to, and I, I think as, as in this new role, I see myself the way that I can kind of help put teachers at ease is to just be there and just do whatever I can to help them out. So if they can't connect their computer, they just put TVs in all of our rooms, like 75 inch televisions to get rid of our projectors, right? No one knows exactly how to hook it up yet or how to do what with it. And so look, if I have to come into your room and do that, then I'm going to come into your room and help you do that. If I have to go into the cafeteria and open a thousand milk cartons, like I said before, then I will do that. It we don't get a lot of rain in the desert and it rained for like a week straight. So there was one day I was out there squeegeeing sidewalks. So there weren't giant puddles and like the sandbags came in for us. So we wouldn't flood some classrooms and stuff. And I think letting your teachers know, and as a teacher, this is a stuff that I really appreciated that you were willing to do whatever it took to help students succeed, whether that's, you know, picking up trash or that's coming in and solving a tech problem, or if that's just listening to a teacher and just going in and and hearing a teacher out. Um, My role as when I was a union president was a lot of that, was a lot of just getting a call from a teacher and listening to what was going on and going, let me see what I can do to help. I'm going to find out what I can find out. And that's what I do now. I don't have the answers for everything, right? But telling a teacher, I'm going to find out. I'm going to find out and you and I are going to fix it. That's that I think lets a teacher know that they don't have to dwell or let the weight of whatever it is just crush them because they know they can bring it to you and you're going to help them solve the problem, right? That we can be that, that resource to, to lift them up, to help them get out of whatever it is they're getting out of and that we're going to help them be successful in their classroom. Because if our teachers are successful, those students are going to be successful. Um, And I don't get to go into classrooms and teach, you know, the 450 kids we have on campus, but I do get to support, you know, the 20, 25 educators on our campus and lift them up so that they can lift those kids up. 
Nice. Excellent, Josh. I really appreciate that. How about you, Mike? I know you're big on culture that in your school. Give us a little bit about what you're doing as a leader. I know you touched a little bit on that. What else are some other things that you're you're doing on your campus? Yeah, so I mean, I'll be the first to admit when we were virtual last year, I am not a good virtual leader. I was horrible at it. And uh, I feel I did let my staff down. And I've told them that and I apologize. And this year's going to be different. But uh, so I, I'm just getting back to what I've been doing. Like, you know, I, I got a mobile desk, so I'm never in my front office. Like I'm, I'm out in the hallways. I'm in the classrooms. I'm there with them. So they know you need, like Josh said, just be in there. And I don't have all the answers. My staff knows I don't have all the answers, but like you can come to me. Okay. You worry about these, you know, 20, 30 kids in your room right now. Let me see if I can figure this out or get some advice and either I'll come back or someone else will come back. But I'm, basically I'm here to support you. So, and that's what, that's what I've been doing. Like my, my emails, I have so many emails built up because when there's those kids in our building, like that's my focus. I'm in there with them. And I'm in there in the lunchroom for what, three hours, two and a half hours a day, because I want my paraprofessionals and our supervisors to know I'm here with you to let's make sure everything goes smooth. And just letting them know, like, like I said before, like meeting with the team leaders, just worry about connecting with each other, worry about building those relationships, you know, and I'm just trying to make it a celebration. I mean, we did two pep rallies our first week. Our first week was two and a half days. We did two pep rallies. One was school wide. We went outside. Then the last was um, on, on Friday. We had to do some readjustments because it was, it's so hot here with the humidity and, and I mean, you, you guys got me beat, but you have, <laughs> you have dry heat, whatever that means. But over here, it's disgusting for us. So, you know, we had to do some readjustments. We did like a pep rally where all the teachers introduced themselves with theme songs and and just making it a place that people want to be at. And, you know, the first day with the staff, I remember talking to my sister principal afterwards. I'm like, I don't know. Our first staff meeting kind of didn't go over the way I wanted it to. Um, and she's like, yeah, I kind of felt like a weird vibe too. But then I was like, as the weeks, two weeks have gone on now, like, I feel like we're back to where we are. And, you know, we just, that mentality, these aren't like, these aren't your fourth grade kids in your class. Like, these are all our kids. Like, so no matter what, like, we're all in it together. And I mean, I'm, I'm just there, just out there with them, you know, and playing, playing my troll soundtrack and Moana soundtrack. And it's funny, I got this big speaker, I just wheel around now. So now I have the mobile desk, a skateboard, and a speaker on wheels. Um, and I just park in the hall and I was, I was playing some music and one of the teachers, I was by her room and she stuck her head out. Cause I don't know what they were, they were independent reading or something. She just kind of gave me a look, but she smiled and closed her door. Didn't say, Hey, can you turn that off? Because I think they've all realized like, no, this is going to be part of our culture. Like, yeah, you, you, you know, there's kids who have walked by me. There's staff who have walked by me who they've got that look. Cause I think that we were talking about this on a, a boxer group last night this is the most exhausting year ever. I think we all forgot what it was like to reopen school and every educator is more exhausted than they've ever been right now, but they'll walk by me and they just hear the music and you could tell because music, you guys talked about it and music. There's just something about it that brings lifts people up. And so, I mean, that, that's just kind of what I'm doing. I'm just doing my thing. And people say, Oh, you're just hanging out, having fun, but there's a whole method behind it because if you don't have that culture, where everyone feels belonged, everyone feels supported. You're like we said earlier, you're not going to get to all the other things we have to do as educators, you know? 
That's or it's going to be much more difficult. Right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Well, I love that. Like, you know, the way that you guys seem very active and, you you know, the, the roles that you take and just it's so important, like you said, just that the teachers feel like their voice is being heard, they're being helped. And even though you may not have the answers, you're willing to go out there and right. just find the answers for them. And you said, like you said, one less thing that they have to do, dwell on. And so that's great. Well, let's talk a little bit about just you both and your podcast too as well, because I want to know just the the history of punk rock classrooms. You yeah. know, I Josh being you know in Arizona and of course Mike being in Chicago, I want to know how did you two connect and <laughs> how did this project come I about? I love I love this story. Can I this tell is this is yeah, this is yeah. good stuff. People so, people don't believe that this is it, like this is the reality. So so, so first off, Josh and I have never met face to face. Yeah, we've been doing this, what, this is three years? This, yeah, this is our third in, year of the podcast. We just started. So we, we were supposed to meet at a at the Teach Better Conference uh, 21 or 20, but then it got canceled because of COVID. So we've never sat down in a room together. So even even my staff, they don't believe, like, I listen to your podcast. You guys sound like you're right next to each other. I'm like, yeah, no, we're not. We're on Zoom. We were doing <laughs> Zoom before everyone else was doing Zoom. Um, but so, yeah, I was doing a, it was a Teach Better Twitter chat or mastery chat at the time. And uh, it was Josh's first time ever doing a Twitter chat. Yeah. And uh, I, there was a, I had just written a blog and I referenced, I was like, oh my God, this question. Like I just wrote about this in this blog. So I shared out my link, you know, and I was like, oh here, I check out my new blog. And Josh like read it in the middle of the chat. Cause then he was like, oh my God, he just referenced sick of it all. Like this hardcore band from New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, one, I was like, Hey, someone read my blog. All right, cool. <laughs> like, and then, uh, so then, you know, I think that we started like just yeah, we started messaging chatting. each other yeah. and talking and we were just going back and forth talking about like punk rock and education and how, cause that was what the blog was kind of about. Like I saw some of these parallels from growing up in the punk rock scene. I'm like, that could work in education. Like you have to have passion and whatnot. So then we just were talking and we kind of, Josh, like, Hey, would you want to do a podcast? I'm like, yeah, I've never done one. I've always wanted to. And he's like, well, I've done a comic book podcast. Like I will, we'll figure it out. So we kind of talked about it for a while. And then uh, we just started doing it and we didn't yeah. have like no rhyme or reason. And we just were like, we, we enjoyed doing it. And then it kind of, Oh, it kind of took off and people were like, oh, I love what you guys are saying. I wasn't in that scene, but I, I see what you're, and we're kind of like, oh, people are connected with it. And, you know, it's, yeah, it's grown to, to where it's at now. It's, it's pretty exciting. It's cool. No, it, it is exciting. And yeah. what I love about it too, is just be, I can relate to it because being part of a scene down here and also being part, you know, in, in a couple of band projects and things of that sort, like I can totally relate. And then of course, just hearing you gentlemen talk and, just describe your work ethic and just the way that you're there for people. I mean, that's what the scene was about here. It's like, you're yeah. there for one another. Right. You're there. I mean, one guy gets kicked down, like you pick them up and right. you know, you take care well, of them and lift them up. And that's what I, I grew up like from the age of like, you know, was it 17 to about when I had to get a real job, maybe like 20, 20, I don't know about 20, 24. So, I mean, even though it was short lived there in the scene, but I, I experienced those things and just being able to lift others up and take care of everybody. And now that translates so well into education. So I can see yeah. how, you know, people, educators, whether they're not in the scene or are in the scene can definitely 
uh, relate to what it is that you're sharing. So that's great. The the fi- the thing that I do find funny is that you still haven't had the opportunity no, to meet face to face. Never, <laughs> never met face to face. And I think for us, like we grew like everything that I do in education. And I like I didn't really I had thought Mike had thought about it in an education sense. And I had um, done some union work and thought about organizing and the stuff I was doing in the union through a punk rock lens. Right. Like mm-hmm. everything I learned that I think I put into practice is something I learned while being a punk rock kid. Right. Like that DIY work ethic, this sort of like, just do it, just figure it out. Who cares? Just, and, and getting your, getting a group of people together to like, you take your role, make it happen. Everybody can put on this show or whatever it is. All those things I learned in the punk rock scene. And then when Mike and I were starting to talk about, I'm like, Oh, well, that's why I'm the educator. I am is because of all these things that I did growing up in, you know, a punk rock scene, being in bands, recording our own stuff, putting out our own tapes, putting on shows, figuring out how to build pyrotechnics for a CD release show, right? Like burning off arm hair and stuff like that all came from, you know, like that, that punk rock scene and just, just that, just that desire to just like, let's figure it out and let's make it happen. And let's do the best we can do with what we have um, is what drives me as an educator. And it all came out of just being a punk and just like those connections I built as a kid. And, um, being able to get together and being able to talk about this. And, you know, you had mentioned we're just starting season three. So our first season really focused in on, well, what does punk rock have to do with education? And so that first season, we really sat down and talked about ideas in punk rock, whether it was like, you know, classrooms are for circle pits or, (laughs) you know, uh, the DIY mentality or bringing your passion into what you do. Last season was a lot of let's look at something in education. Let's look at a topic in education like uh, evaluations or state testing. And let's look at it through a punk rock lens. Right. This year, who knows, right? Like we're yeah, we're we... just ex- we're just excited to keep going. We bring on we bring on guests uh, and and talk to them about what's going on. Some of them are punk rock kids who turned into educators. Some of them yes. are educators that we've really connected with. Are are think are doing really good things. Um, and then we also do something that I think has been really beneficial for me is we do these reflection episodes. Yeah. And I think one of the most important things you can do as an educator is to look back on how your lesson went, how your week went, how that unit went. How did my conversation with that parent on the phone go, right? Um, And so we do like reflection episodes, usually one or two a month. We do a a regular episode, then a reflection, then a regular episode, and then an interview usually is how a month works if everything goes according to plan, right? Um, But those reflection episodes are really something that I, they're like audio blogs, right? It's where we just kind of, yeah, we just kind of get to talk about it, you know. And it's kind of it's kind of funny because every time you know we kind of rotate. So like like Josh will have a reflection coming out this Monday, um, and a lot of times we're both like talking to each other, like, "Hey, what do you? What's your reflection going to be about?" We're like, "I don't know." And a lot of times, like I think of it like like it'll hit me like when I'm having that cup of coffee the day I'm going to record it. I'm like, "Oh yeah, that happened this week." I'm like, "I'm gonna." That's what I want to mention. And and like Josh said, it's key. It's almost almost like a therapy yes. sometimes to yeah. like get these things out and just, and I, I feel at the end of all of my reflections, I'm always like, I don't know if anybody got anything to this. I just rambled for 10, 15 minutes. And, but then people will reach out to me and send me, you know, messages like, no, I really connected with what you were saying. And so, you know, it's like, Oh, all right. I guess it wasn't just me rambling for, for 15 <laughs> minutes. 
<laughs> oh, but that's great because you just never know. I mean, what one may be going through, there's, you know, tons of other right. educators or people that may be going through something like that, but just sometimes they feel alone. Like, no, this is only happening to me when in reality it's happening to others. And I think that really helps out a lot. So the fact that you're doing that and you're, you're putting yourself out there in this vulnerable position, you know, and, and just really speaking from your heart and from your experience really adds that much more value to what you're sharing because it's not something like you said, it's just something cookie cutter. It's just your experience. And right. I mean, and that's so punk rock because it's all about your experience. Like Josh going back to the way that he learned, you know, a lot of the things, you know, from, from, from the scene, you know, I always revert back to improvise, adapt and overcome. I mean, yeah. those are, those have been my three words in education that have helped me be a successful educator. And that to me is what, is so punk rock you improvise you adapt and overcome figure it right. out do it connect see and bring it to fruition and see how that goes and so i think what you guys are doing is just wonderful and is just amazing and being able to put yourselves out there and help so many others you know such as myself that want to continue to learn and continue to see things from a different lens from different perspectives from the administrator lens from the social studies now turned title one teacher, ex ex punk rock scenesters, you know, <laughs> turned educators, and that to me is just showing me your passion, and that really helps spark my passion too for what Thank I do. You. So just keep doing what you're doing, guys. I'm just so excited, <laughs> and I'm honored to actually you know have the opportunity to get to interview you and connect with you and and hear your stories. So that's something that's awesome. Well, as we kind of get closer to wrapping up. I always throw these questions out, um, you know, to our guests. And so we'll go ahead and get started with you, Mike. So, Mike, if you can have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? Ooh, a billboard with anything on it. I think I would just put a message out there kind of like to stay true to yourself. I think, I think too many people try not to be who they are and not just in education in many aspects. You know, I, I worked in a, a department of a trading firm for, it's a summer job for a while. I've worked, you know, in kitchens and I think, and especially kids, you know, we see they're trying to, and I know they're learning who they are, but I think just a message to be, be who you are and don't be ashamed of that, you know? There you go. That's good. How about you, Josh? What would your billboard say on it? Oh man, that that's 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 good. There's there's a quote that I really love, but I, I wouldn't want to use a quote. There's a quote by Howard Zinn. It's actually a title of one of his books. So you can't be neutral on a moving train. Uh, and I and I think for me, one of the things that I that I, you know, having been on uh, sort of the union side of it for for years, you know, literally since I was a first year teacher. Um, being on our bargaining committee and all of that stuff. For me, it ends up being like, if if you want change, you've got to make change. You've got to yeah. do it. You have to go out there. And I think it's that DIY mentality. So it might just be do the work, right? Because if, if we want to... If we want change, if we want to change education, if we want to change what our classrooms look like, if we want to change what our department looks like or our school looks like or the culture in our campus is like, we have to do the work to make that happen. Right. We can't just go man, I'm bummed about this. I'm upset about this. I, I wish this would change. If you wish it, you got to do it, right? You, you got to make that change. So I've spent a lot of time talking to teachers to go like, hey, write this email. 
come to this meeting, be this voice. And I think, you know, in my role now, it ends up being, what can I help you do as an educator in our building to make this change happen? Whether it's, how can I coach you through that? How can I get you the resources you need? How can I help you find those resources? If you want to change something on our campus, you want to change something in our building, if you want to change something in a student, how do we make that happen? We have to do that. We just can't wait for it. Excellent. Yeah, that's, nice. That's good. I love uh, what Tim uh, says here. It says, this conversation is <laughs> going to make me stage dive off my desk. I love, love it. it, Tim. And Murph, too. Thank you so much, Murph. Great for joining us and sticking around this whole episode. It says, great interview and just be you. There you go. <laughs> All right. So now this time we'll start with Josh. Josh, what is your edu kryptonite? Oh, man. The thing in education that I can't do. Oh, yeah. man. That's that's a really good question. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be um, very very I'm gonna be very honest. Uh, and for a long time, this was something that just drove me absolutely batty. Um, was just the next word, right? What's the new education word we're using? Um, I just tune out when someone gives me a edu speak phrase, and I go can you just tell me what you mean? Don't like, don't use this word just cause I'm done. I'm done. If you try to like throw, I get it. You read a book, you're in your master's program. You found this phrase that someone came up with. I love it. I have a degree too. I have two of them. I'm working on my third one, but can we just talk about what we want to do and not some fancy word for it? So I, I sometimes edu speak words just drive me nuts. Love it. I love it. Hey, I, that definitely hits here. That's really good. I love that. All right. I, I used to tell people like, you know, when I went from business to math teacher, high school math teacher, you know, learning those skills, I said, man, I was doing personalized learning before it was even a thing because right. I was doing customer service. I was like, now people are using that buzzword. Like, oh my gosh, it's, I was like, I've been doing it for years. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Maybe yeah, the copy I, machine. Maybe the copy yeah. machine is the second one. You know? Yeah. I get you. <laughs> All right, Mike, what would be your edgy kryptonite, Mike? Then this is interesting because, you know, I'm a building principal, so I'm supposed to be an, an expert at this data and data analysis. Like, I, I, I don't like it. I hate it. Like, I mean, you, you, I'm all about relationships and connecting and having fun and, you know, now, don't get me wrong. Yes, there's data and we need to look at it and we need to see where we're going. I get that. But sometimes it's just people are analyzing data just because they feel they're supposed to analyze. You don't have to have an analysis on every single thing that happens in education. I mean, you know, and I, I think it ties in with sometimes these meetings. You don't need to have a three, four hour meeting where we're just talking about numbers and data and going nowhere. So, I mean, that's, that's what really just zaps the life out of me is, you know, but going back to building your crew, I've got staff who know, cause I've stood up, I've told parents at meetings, I don't care about the test scores. Like I don't care about this data. I'm not good at it. So I've got staff who will say, Hey, I know we just finished our winter map assessment. Do you want me to look at this data for you and kind of tell you where it's, what it says? I go, yeah, please. And like, they'll, they'll do it. Cause they like it. And then they'll sit down with me and they'll be like, okay, here's the trends we're looking at. I'm like, perfect. Then I go into a meeting and I always will say, you know that I didn't come up with this. You know, teacher, you know, Mr. Buckley came up with this and helped me. You know, I'm going to give them the props. I'm not going to steal their thunder. And, but that's, that's definitely got to be mine. 
There you go. That's data. good. That's good. I hear you. Yeah, data's everywhere. Data drives decisions. And sometimes it's like, oh man, that's just a lot of numbers. Just just tell me. Yeah. Keep right. it simple. I, I'm right. always all about just keep it simple. Tell me, like kind of like what Josh says. It's like, this is your phrase. Just tell me what you want us to do, right. what it means. Right. Have those conversations and see what we can do. You know, yeah, great, great, excellent. All right. So this time we'll start with Mike first. Mike, if you could make one of your hobbies into a profession, which one would it be? Oh, well, it's got to be skateboarding. I mean, I, I'm nowhere near, I never was good, and I'm nowhere near as halfway decent as I was as a youth. I still love it. I just love the feeling of just riding sometimes. But uh, I, growing up, I was like, I'm going to be a pro skater. Like, I'm going to be in Thrasher magazine. Like, that's what I always thought. And, you know, back then, there weren't a, there wasn't a free skate park in every town. Now, I, there, it's everywhere. It's more accepted. But I think if I could do, do that and make money and that's all I did all day, that's what I would do. I'd love it. Awesome. Great. Josh, how about you? Oh man, uh, music. I, I, you know, I, I love music. I love writing songs. I like playing guitar. Um, I haven't been in a band in a while, but um, I record and I, I, it's uh, like gravel dad punk rock is what I call it. Like folk rock is what I call it now. Mm. Right. Cause I can't sing very well, but I can growl enough with an acoustic <laughs> guitar to like, just have some fun. Uh, so I, that's what I would do. You know, I, that that's fun for me. I like writing songs and doing doing covers of like uh, 80s punk songs that now sound like folk songs. So that's that's my that's what I like. So nice. if I could take music and do something with it um, and make it something, that'd be fun. Excellent. Wonderful. And the last question, I don't know if you want to combine this or maybe it's just we'll go either or since both of you are podcast hosts. But if you and if the roles were reversed and this was your show, what would be one question you'd like to ask me? So we'll start with Josh this time. All right, Fonz, I got to know. You've talked about bands a couple times. I want to know what type of music, what was the name of one of those bands you were in? Okay, so the very first band that I was in, because I was in, since from sixth grade on, I played saxophone. I was in a ska band called, <laughs> it was in a ska band called the Eh, question mark, Scalators. So we were called the Escalators. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So I'll probably, I'll share some stuff if I have, uh, I should have some pictures and some uh, flyer pictures and stuff like that. So I'll share that. So that was the first band that I was in that I kind of got more involved into the scene. So I always wanted to play trumpet in a ska band. Like I, I, I had some friends who were in a ska band and like I joined them for one song on my trumpet and I was like, this is the best thing ever. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, it was the greatest thing. I mean, I had so much fun with it because we had our, the, the, founder or the leader of the band his name is johnny he played trombone so we had saxophone we had trombone for a little while we did have a, a trumpet player but i mean it was just really just fun ska like just That's playing awesome. on, you know and and awesome. just being in the scene so that was great <laughs> all right mike, I, I, your turn mike yeah first <laughs> off i so wish Scott would make another comeback that was that was my favorite. i think we're on, I think we're on third... good fourth wave man we're on good yeah, fourth wave I, right now there's some good yeah, bands that, that punk ska back in the, in the 90s was awesome um all right so Fonz, if you could have a theme song play as you walk down the street or you walk down the halls in a school what would that theme song be that just plays as you walk by Ooh, what would my theme song be? Oh man, jeez, I'm trying to think here. That that's a really good one. That is a really good one. 
And this is a question I ask applicants when I interview them. <laughs> Matt, you know what? Actually, the one the the one song that just came to mind, and I can't even remember the name of the the band actually. But growing up, growing up having a little portable cassette player, the little you know with the equalizer, my very first tape that I bought was the Rocky Four soundtrack. So my theme song would probably be the one and just and it's just because it's so memorable in my head, just because it was so cool would be the one where he's just driving down after Apollo Creed, you know, passes and he's just mm -hmm. driving. I can't remember the name, but that song just for me, just when I hear it, just makes me feel like, man, I'm just driving like I'm determined, like That's I awesome. am going to nice. go and I'm going to walk in and I'm just going to own it. So That's awesome. that would be I couldn't think of a a. a punk rock one right now right off that's the bat because that's a good answer though that's a good yeah, i like yeah. that yeah. I that's how that we one. that's how we started our school year i mean i know mike had his teams come with a theme song we asked every one of our teachers that's how we started our first meeting was all right we're gonna pass out little slips of paper what's your what's your theme song what's your thing and then we pulled them out of a hat and everybody had a guess whose it was like we played a couple songs like played a couple pieces of it from our phone mm -hmm. uh, you know on the stereo in the cafeteria and we everybody had a guess whose song it was it was good times it was fun to yeah. hear everybody's yeah. like what their theme would be music yeah, so, makes everyone happy yeah <laughs> exactly and you know what that one I, like i don't know like i said like you said it just makes me really happy and that's the first one that i could kind of think of that really made me feel because i just always remember that scene when i hear it and he's just driving and they they just do that zoom on his eyes yeah and yeah. he's just like <laughs> like questioning everything but like right. determined like i'm gonna be that change i'm gonna do something about this yeah, and just it. move forward so yeah i love that that's right <laughs> awesome so yeah well guys it's been an amazing conversation it's been a pleasure i can keep talking to you guys forever but i respect definitely your time zone <laughs> so <laughs> i know i've already woken you up very early josh and mike but i really sincerely from the bottom of my heart had such a great time with you guys I loved your passion, your drive, everything, you know, you speaking. I, I was just laser focused on you guys because uh, I love what you're bringing, your perspectives, your experiences. And I'm sure that our audience members that will be listening to this later on, those of you that were joining us live, like Amanda, uh, M. Murphy, Tim, uh, Karina, Josh, that were joining us also here live, definitely took a lot from this conversation that we'll probably maybe the like you said we we've got some people stage diving off desks right now listening uh watching live and so on but thank you josh for what you do as an educator for your passion and your drive and the change that you're making and mike the same thing i really appreciate your honesty being straightforward and just being a, an amazing administrator just saying that it's i mean showing me that it's okay for an administrator to say, hey, I don't know, but let me find out. Hey, you know what? I don't like that up, but if you can figure it out and we can talk about it and see what I can do to make things better or even just to talking to your teachers and so on, that really speaks volumes too. That you, it's that human aspect that that you you are people first and you know we're not we are not the all know it alls and right. yeah. I think that's one thing that I love about this conversation and really showing the the human side of educators that we're not robots we have that human side we don't know everything but we're able to be that change that we want to see and we're able to ask those questions and not be afraid to feel vulnerable but it's all about building relationships first so that's so Definitely. punk rock love it Guys, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate you. you all. 
And for our audience members, yeah, all our audience members, guys, if you can just give us a like on the YouTube channel, subscribe to our channel, visit our website at myedtech.life. Drop us a review. Drop us a line. I'd love to hear some feedback. As always, I, I'm data-driven <laughs> with your feedback. So then that way I can know what it is that I could do better to just bring you the best because that's what it's all about, connecting educators, creators, one show at a time, and learning from one another. So again, as always, thank you so much for joining us this Saturday. Make sure you join us next Saturday as well as we're going to have an amazing show here with an amazing author who's doing some wonderful, wonderful work. And you'll see those promos coming up this coming week. But until next time, my friends, don't forget to stay techie.